Last week, I showed you a picture taken 17 years ago of me with my son, Daniel, lying on my chest asleep. So this week, I thought I'd show you another picture that I have on the wall here in the office here at Regent. And it's a picture of me with my dad. It's just that one up there on the wall and it will be up on the screen for you. This was taken back in 1993 when we were both um, serving customs officers and we were over there on a family holiday in the US. And so we arranged to visit the US Customs Headquarters. And this is us with the then head of US Customs Intelligence, a guy called Jake Corrin. And we were there having lunch in his office. And if you look closely at the picture, you'll see that we were obviously both much younger then. But you'll also see that there is some family resemblance between me and my dad. My dad and I do look alike to, to a little bit, to some extent. You can probably tell that I am his son. There's a physical resemblance between us, but there's also lots of other resemblances. I sometimes find myself pulling the same kind of facial expressions or, or saying things that my dad would say. I especially find myself saying to my son, Daniel, the sort of things that my dad used to say to me and, and sometimes still does say to me. I do physically resemble my dad a little bit and, and some of my mannerisms and expressions are similar to his and, and for a while we were both doing the same job. But having said all of that, we are nevertheless still very different. I'm not the same as my dad. There's a family likeness, but we're still two very different people. Just as my son Daniel is like me in some ways, but he's still very different. We're two very different people. Fathers and sons are always like that, similar, but still different. Now, Jesus repeatedly claimed that God was his father, which in itself is a massive and, and crazy thing to claim on one level. But he also claimed that the relationship that he had with God was so much greater than any human father-son relationship. Jesus said these words in John chapter 14, verse 9. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And on another occasion in John 10, Jesus said these words, I and the Father are one. Now, when people meet me, they sometimes say, you look a little bit like your father, a little bit like your dad. Although in reality, they usually say that I look, my, look like my mother. But, but there you go. And when people who know my dad meet my son, Daniel, they often say that he looks less like me and more like my dad did when uh, Daniel was that, that age. But no one would say that by seeing me, they've seen my dad. There are some similarities between us, but we're two very different people. The relationship that Jesus claimed to have with God was massively greater than any human father son relationship or any other relationship that we can think of. And this claim that Jesus or this claim of Jesus that God was his father and that he was the son of God and that he was God come to earth as a human being was ultimately why Jesus was sentenced to death on the cross from a human perspective. And in today's passage, we see this claim of Jesus, this outrageous claim of Jesus, that God was his father taking center stage, as it does again and again, as we go right through John's account of Jesus' life, John's gospel. Last week, we looked at how Jesus healed a man who'd been an invalid for 38 years. And we saw how the Jewish leaders were outraged when they saw that Jesus had healed him on the Sabbath. And when they saw that Jesus had told the man to pick up his straw mat, that he'd been lying on and carry it. They saw both of these things as breaking the Jewish law about resting from work on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a Saturday. It was the seventh day of the week and it was the Jewish day of rest. And it was a day set apart and set aside to be holy and dedicated to God. Now, last week we read from John chapter five, verses 
1 to 15. And I want to briefly read verses 8 to 15 again today for a bit of context. Then I'm going to read on and we're going to read all of today's passage, which is John chapter 5, 16 to 30. So if you've got a Bible with you, you want to turn and read at home. The words will be up on the screen for you as well. I'm going to read from John chapter 5, verses 8, right through to verse 30. So here we go. John chapter 5, verse 8. And it says this. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forgives, forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. But just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honour the son just as they honour the father. He who does not honour the son does not honour the father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the, the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing, I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Now in verse 16, Jesus, uh, we read these words, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Now Jesus' response to the Jewish leaders wasn't on this occasion to teach them about the real meaning of the Sabbath, although he did that on other occasions that we find in the in the Gospels. And we haven't got time to go into that today. But Jesus' response on this occasion was to point to his own identity and his relationship to God. He was the son of God and God was his father. And that was why it was OK to heal on the Sabbath. Look at verse 17. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I, too, am working. Jesus was claiming firstly that God was his father and that because in one sense God is continuously working seven days a week. So he, too, was right and able to do his work 
on the Sabbath. Jesus was saying that although God did rest on the seventh day of creation, and that's where the Sabbath day of rest comes from, there was and is a sense in which God is always working. If he wasn't, then the universe would come crashing to a halt. It's God's hand that keeps the planet spinning. It's God's hand that keeps the world in motion. It's God that continues to give life and sustains life 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In fact, we read these words about Jesus in Hebrews 1, uh, verses 3 to 4. The sun, uh, speaking about Jesus, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So Jesus is the exact representation of God, and it's Jesus, God the Son, that sustains and keeps the whole universe functioning. So God is always working in one sense, and Jesus, God the Son, as the exact representation of God, is the one through whom God does that universe-sustaining work day by day, seven days a week. And so Jesus was more than free to heal someone on the Sabbath. Healing on the Sabbath was just an extension of the work that God, and therefore Jesus, was doing and is doing all the time. But Jesus' work was even greater than healing a man on the Sabbath or sustaining the whole universe for that matter. Look at John 4:34, a verse that we looked at a few weeks ago. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The work that God the Father had given Jesus to do was to, go to, was to come to earth, was to live on earth, was to go to the cross and take the punishment for your sin and my sin so that all who would put their trust in him and would turn away from their sin and, and trust in Jesus could have eternal life and live in perfect relationship with God. But when the Jewish leaders heard what Jesus was saying, they were less bothered about Jesus' arguments about God always working than they were about what Jesus was therefore claiming. Verse 18 says this, for this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The Jewish leaders were now actively trying to have Jesus put to death. They were outraged by what Jesus was saying and doing. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father and was making himself equal to God. And this was just outrageous blasphemy to the Jewish leaders. Under the Jewish law that God had given to Moses 1400 years earlier, Breaking the Sabbath and being guilty of blasphemy carried the death penalty, and it was a death penalty by stoning to death. And yet Jesus, in this passage, claims over and over again to be the Son of God, to be one with God, and to possess all the attributes of God. In this passage, Jesus states that he does whatever the Father does. He's worthy of the same honour as God is. He's, he gives eternal life to those who hear and accept him. And that he would judge every single human being. Jesus is God. Jesus doesn't leave us with any other option. And that means that we either accept Jesus was and is God with all the consequences that brings, or we reject Jesus completely. C.S. Lewis, the famous author, wrote these words. In the mouth of any speaker who is not God, these words would imply what I can only regard as a silliness and conceit unrivaled by any character in history. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. 
We have to make a choice as to what we will do with Jesus and who Jesus claims to be. Jesus is either a madman, a lunatic and a liar. Or he's the very son of God. There isn't a halfway house between Jesus being you know, some kind of good teacher or moral example. He's either God or he's a liar. The claims that Jesus makes about himself demand that we make our choice. If you've not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then can I challenge you today? Will you accept and believe that Jesus is God with all that that implies for your life? Will you accept and believe that Jesus is God? Will you worship him as the son of God, the word made flesh, or will you reject him? as a madman, a lunatic and a liar. What choice will you make? The Jewish leaders objected to what Jesus was saying and began to try to kill him. And so as we read in verse 19, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus was making it clear that he wasn't claiming to be an equal to God. He wasn't some sort of human claiming to be an equal rival to God, although that's how the Jews were hearing it. Jesus was actually claiming to be the son of God, who was in this perfect eternal relationship with God the Father and was God come as a human being, the word made flesh. Everything Jesus does is an extension of what God the Father does. Jesus isn't an equal or some kind of rival to God. Jesus is God. When we see Jesus, we're looking at God the Son working in perfect unity and union with God the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, says Jesus in John 14. Jesus says this in verse 12. Verse 20 of today's passage, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. God, the father loves God, the son and everything about God, the father is given over to God, the son and God, the son. Jesus then reflects and reveals these things to us. There are things that I've observed and received from my dad. Now, he'll be really embarrassed because he'll be at home probably watching this and he'll probably getting really embarrassed now. But. There are things that I've observed and learned just by watching as a son does from his father uh, growing up in the home. Things like having a passion for the Bible. One of my memories of my dad is my dad having his Bible always open on the arm of his chair, having a passion for the local church. Church life was central to our family life. And that was something I observed and grew up absorbed and learned from having a passion for spreading the gospel seeing how to treat my wife in a godly way as I watch my dad as how he treat my mum and how to work hard at work and um, amongst many other things. But the relationship between God the Father and God the Son is on an altogether higher level, an incomparable level. My dad is imperfect and I am imperfect. And so what he has shown me and what I then do will always be imperfect. But as Jesus says here, God the Son, Jesus was about to reveal even greater things from God the Father about himself. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he's pleased to give it. The Jewish leaders would have agreed with Jesus that uh, here that at the final judgment, God would raise the dead who would put their faith in him and give them, and he would give them eternal life. But here Jesus claims that he is the one that gives spiritual life right now to those who, whom he's pleased to give it to. And Jesus claimed 
to give life to people isn't just about people being raised to life to face the final judgment at some point in the future. Look at verse 24. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Whoever hears what Jesus says and responds to what Jesus says by believing that he was sent by God and therefore that he is who he says he is, God the Son, whoever hears and listens and responds to Jesus and puts their faith in him receives eternal life. Eternal life isn't just about living forever with God beyond our physical death. It is that, but it's much more than that. Eternal life is about being made spiritually alive right now, which also then does include being physically uh, living forever beyond death with God. And in addition to receiving eternal life, those who put their trust in Jesus won't be condemned at the final judgment for their sin because their sins will have been forgiven through faith in Jesus because Jesus has died on the cross and taken the punishment for that sin. They will cross over from death to life right now in this life. See, the Bible teaches that we're all born physically alive, but spiritually dead. We are spiritually dead because of our sin. And every human being on earth today is walking around physically alive, but unless they've put their faith and their trust in Jesus, then they're spiritually dead. To be spiritually dead is to be separated from God and unable to relate to God right now. And that plays out in all sorts of negative ways in a person's life here on earth. But when we hear what Jesus says and respond to what Jesus says by turning away from our sin and putting our faith and trust in him, then we cross over from death to life. We become spiritually alive. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us and we are made into new people. We're forgiven and we're made right with God. Jesus says in verse 25, I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, Jesus isn't talking about physically dead people, people who physically died. He's talking about people who are physically alive right now, but are spiritually dead. But when they really hear what Jesus says and choose to respond to him by believing in him, they're given spiritual life that lasts forever and they're able to relate to God as their father right now. If you've yet to put your faith and your trust in Jesus, then I wonder this morning if you can hear what Jesus is saying to you today. Are you listening to Jesus? Will you respond to Jesus? If you do, then you will live. You will come alive. You will cross over from death to life because Jesus gives life, real eternal life to all those who choose to hear what he's saying. Jesus says in verse 26, for the, as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. Now, only God has life in himself. Every other human being or animal receives the life they have from God. And no human being can create life or give life. God is self-existent. He's always existed. He is, he is and has life in himself. And so he's able to give life, both physical and spiritual, to whoever he chooses to give it to. But because Jesus and the Father are one, God the Son and God the Father, so God the Son also has life in himself. He's also self-existent and he has always existed because he's God. And it's because Jesus God the Son has life in himself that he's able to give life to people like you and to people like me, eternal life. 
Jesus also reveals in this passage that it's through him that God the Father will judge every human being on the day of judgment. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Jesus, God the Son, has come from God the Father and will judge every human being that has ever lived. Jesus says, and he has given him authority to judge because he's the son of man. Now, the son of man was a title that was given to someone uh, that the Old Testament of the Bible said was going to judge the world. It's found in a vision that Daniel has in Daniel chapter seven in the Old Testament. This is about 700, uh, sorry, about, uh, about 500 years before Jesus was born. And it says this, the court was seated and the books were open. That's setting the scene for a scene of judgment. Then it goes on to say, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days. That's God, the father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The son of man in Daniel 7 is a human being, but one that is given authority, glory and sovereign power by God. And everybody then goes on to worship him. They're forced to worship him, whether they like it or not. He's the son of man and he, he receives all the worship from everybody in the world. And Jesus here claims to be the one that Daniel 7 refers to. He's the son of man. He's God, the son come as a human being. And he's been appointed to judge the world and then to rule and to reign for all eternity. And so Jesus is worthy of equal honour to God the Father. And one day everybody will worship him. And so Jesus says this about himself in verse 38. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who've done what is good will rise to live and those who've done what is evil will rise to be condemned. At the end of time, it will be through Jesus, God, the son, that the son of man, that that God, the father will judge the world. Jesus will speak and the dead will rise again. Those who have done what is good are those who have heard Jesus voice when they were physically alive here on earth and chose to respond to him. That's what it means to be those who have done what is good. They've crossed over from spiritual death to spiritual life when they were physically alive because they gave their lives to Jesus. They have done what is good. Their spirits have already gone to be with Jesus when they physically died. And when Jesus comes again, their spirits will receive a new body raised up from the ground and they will then spend eternity with God. Those who have done what is evil are those that have ignored Jesus voice in this life and have rejected him when they were physically alive. They'll be judged by Jesus and condemned for their rejection of him. And they'll spend eternity separated from God and from all that is good in what the Bible, in a place that the Bible calls hell, a place of eternal suffering and punishment for sin. How we respond to Jesus in this life affects not only what happens to us in this life, but also what our eternal fate and destiny is. If you've yet to believe in Jesus and trust in him as your saviour and surrender to him as your Lord, then can I challenge you to listen to his voice as he speaks, as he speaks his word to you today? 
And he is speaking this morning. He's speaking through the songs that we're singing that contain his word. And he's speaking through the Bible verses that we're looking at and that we're reading and have been read to us. Jesus says these words in the last verse of our passage today. He says, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Once again, Jesus is emphasizing that he's not some separate equal rival to God the Father. Instead, everything he does flows from his unique relationship with God the Father. He does nothing by himself and his ability to judge the world flows out of and from his relationship with God the Father and from what the Father shows him and says to him. Look at what he says in the final verse. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. For Jesus, God the Son, it was all about pleasing the one who had sent him, God the Father. That desire to please the Father was what drove and informed everything that Jesus said and did. And if we skip forward in John's account to chapter 20, we reach the moment when Jesus had died on the cross for our sins. He'd been buried and he'd risen back to life three days later. And on one occasion, after his resurrection, he appeared to the disciples and he says these words to them. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, to be our saviour. And everything Jesus did was about pleasing the one who had sent him. And in this verse, we discover that if we've trusted in Jesus and given our lives to him, then just as God the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus is sending us. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, and many of you, perhaps most of you watching this morning will have done, then Jesus is sending you just as the Father sent him. What is he sending us to do? He's sending us out into the world to tell people about him. That's one of the main tasks that Jesus has given to us. We're to represent Jesus and we're to tell people about him. It's not about us making money. It's not to get a bigger house. It's not to climb the ladder at work, not to be successful or achieve great things in this world's eyes. That might happen. All of those things might happen and that's fine. But that is not our goal. That's not meant to be the goal, the focus of the follower of Jesus. One of our main tasks as followers of Jesus is just as the father sent Jesus. So Jesus is sending us to tell others about him and to represent him in this world. And just as Jesus saw only to please the father. So our goal as followers of Jesus should be to please Jesus and therefore please the father. The main way that God has chosen to make himself known to people today, now that Jesus has returned to heaven, is through followers of Jesus like you, like me, telling other people about him. That is God's primary way of telling others about Jesus today. It's through people like you and me. That's how people hear Jesus' word today. It's through people like us going out into the world and repeating what we know and have heard about Jesus from the word of God, from the Bible. Bible speaks about us being God's fellow workmen. Jesus has assigned us the task of representing him and telling others about him so that they might have the opportunity to respond to his voice, to hear it and to respond. As we seek to do that, our goal should be just as Jesus always pleased the Father, so we too should always seek to live 
and act in a way that pleases God. So here's two questions for you this morning. Am I going out and telling people about Jesus? And secondly, am I living my life in a way that pleases God? If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, are you going out and telling people about Jesus? And are you living your life in a way that is pleasing to God? I wonder what steps you need to take this week to go out and tell other people about Jesus. What does that look like for you? What will that mean for you this week and in the weeks ahead? What steps do you need to take to live your life in a way that pleases God? What does that look like for you? What will that mean for you this week? To go out and tell people about Jesus and to live a life that's pleasing to the Father.